Hello, I am the 99 people that don't believe you in a room of 100 people. Oz. And I'm the blind miner that finally escaped your ceiling only to smash a skull the next day by falling out of a tree. Ray. And welcome to... Skinny... Thoughts. Where skinny thoughts share skinny thoughts. Welcome back to this season where we are reviewing the episodes of RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars Season 5. And this week, we are discussing Episode 6. So, following last week's Snatch Game, Shea Coulee eliminated India Farah after her fourth time in the bottom, but the weight of India's parting words still hangs heavy in the air. To recap, in a last-ditch attempt by India to save her skin, India claimed that Alexis Mateo started a campaign to vote Shea off in Episode 3. But not all seems to add up here. Alexis points out that if she wanted Shea to leave, she'd have campaigned to the whole group and not just a select few. Besides, the timing of India's revelation is suspicious. Why bring it up only when you stand the greatest chance of going home and not when it happened? As Jujibi remarked, India's been very clever. She isn't even here, but we're still talking about her. Right before India left, she reminded the girls to always remember the four H's. Live happy, listen to your heart, remain humble and be honest. And her lipstick writing on the mirror reminds us of that once again. The message here is so pointed at Alexis, given her drama with India last week, over the idea of Alexis campaigning to send Shay home. And India leaving this cryptic message here right before leaving is... Um, really leaving a drab atmosphere for Alexis, in all honesty. I think unless Alexis does so well, right, as to unequivocally not be voted off by the girls, she may be facing quite a lot of resistance this week. But in any case, we move on to the maxi challenge for this week, the Charles Family Backyard Ball. The girls have to serve up two looks. The first look is Country Cousin Realness paired with a comedic character that will crash the party. The second look is a DIY look from scratch where the all-stars have to create high fashion eleganza with materials you find in your own backyard. Well, I must say I'm slightly disappointed by this year's ball challenge because while most ball challenges are three different looks jammed in one challenge, this one is only just two. I felt a bit underfed in that regard. Same here. In fact, because they're all stars and of such high caliber, I'd have expected for them to at least handle three looks and then have one of those three be the comedic character. But what do you think the outcome will be? Looking at the spread of contestants lined up against this challenge, it feels like Cracker and Shea are definitely on the top of the pack with this challenge, I would say. With Cracker talking about her growing up experience with her artist mum using trash to create couture as well as Shay's background major in costume design right on the flip side though i think everyone including Shay, it seems can't help but feel anxious and worried for jujubee whose sewing is so so as she says as AOC, yes, Miss Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez herself pointed out in a recent Instagram DM to a fan, Juju's been on the show three times and still hasn't learned how to sew, but we love her anyway. Name me someone more iconic who could get away with that. You can't. 
Juju aside, Alexis said she makes the majority of her costumes, while Blair is known for being a fashion queen all around, so most of the queens in this challenge are really strong. It could be anyone's game, depending on how each of them sells it. As everyone's working and hustling to create their outfits, the girls realize that India has left letters and gifts for some of them, right? Namely Blair, Shay, and interestingly, Alexis. Now it's so weird what's going on because we're all expecting, for lack of a better word, hate mail from India to Alexis, bashing her, right? But the letter interestingly says, Alexis, I still love you. What's going on here? Well, sometimes I have a little chuckle when I think about how the producers maybe definitely instigated this by pointing out the letters and asking Blair to announce it to the workroom. Jokes aside, I can't believe the shade of it all for India to lie, and then she turns to the queen she threw hardest under the bus and be like, no hard feelings, I still love you, XOXO. Call me a tinfoil hat conspiracist, but I think this was a little bit of mind games India's playing on Alexis here, because what is reality TV without a healthy dose of psychological manipulation, am I right? Because... Alexis expects India to leave hate mail, but the letter turns out to be the complete opposite. So India thus worms her way into Alexis's brain for the rest of the week, because if I were Alexis, I'd just be constantly thinking, what the hell is going on at the back of my mind? Enough about India, because once again, we've fallen for that trick of still talking about her even though she's gone. As RuPaul makes his way into the workroom to have a chat with all the girls, we learn more about Shay and Jujubee's backstories. Um, specifically with Shay's father and older sister passing away within weeks of each other as season 9 began airing. As well as Juju's backstory with her family issues when she was young. It does seem rather interesting that many drag queens have this sort of painful story behind them, with painful family backstories or altercations with drug use, alcohol abuse, or police brutality as well. I think drag sort of serves as a conduit for them to channel these sorts of experiences and emotions for them into, and kind of allows them to reclaim power over their past, right? And flip it into a more happy and light-hearted experience for viewers and audiences. Mm -hmm. I think drag is a really powerful art form in that respect because, and this isn't just for happier performances, but perhaps even in thematically darker and raw performances, like the kind you see in Sasha Velour's drag review nightgowns, which you can watch online, drag is able to express the whole spectrum of human emotion in a variety of different ways so that such a diverse range of people can connect to it. I'm especially touched that these conversations were had on the show because there's definitely many who relate to those universal experiences of loss and struggle and overcoming those to form a stronger individual identity so hearing those stories shared can be a potent source of strength and encouragement for viewers. And I'm glad she and Juju were able to get through their respective problems and become better versions of themselves. I found it really encouraging for me as well. But alas, the Queen's preparation time for the ball is up, and now they'll be hitting the runway as their play cousin characters 
here to crash the Charles family barbecue. Now, there's a lot of material to run through here, so I think for the play cousin look, we can just run through the highs and lows of the week. What do you think? It was very hit and miss, shall I say, because the strong ones, Shay, Juju and Cracker, were very strong, no surprises, while the weak ones were very weak. I especially loved Shay's shirt, which referenced the Grandria Zuckerman character she played on Season 9, while Cracker and Juju landed multiple jokes per line, but I think Blair and Alexis's characters needed more fleshing out. Alexis in particular had a specific, stereotype-based character, but didn't really go anywhere with it. Yeah, I think Cracker really shone here. The surgical or intensely cerebral nature that the judges have often critiqued Cracker for has, on her humour and performances in general, been kind of a downfall. But it has actually really become a strength here for writing monologues because she does not have to interact with someone else and it's just her spewing out comedic content on her own, right? And her lines such as, the whole family just calls me. You got a, lo- a lot of nerves showing your face around here. I thought that line was so good. And on the flip side, I think Alexis didn't do very well, unfortunately, like you said, right? Her character just didn't have a very strong punch to it beyond all the stereotypes and initial layers, right? And now we move into the runway looks. So first up, Cracker comes out in this very retro feeling dress made mainly out of tablecloths and shuttlecock details. This is really good actually and a toot and very detail oriented as we have come to expect from Cracker. I think the one note I may have is that the top of the dress feels kind of a bit wonky here. I feel like the straps that made her top could have been a little fuller. As you know Oz, I've been looking for plaid clothes recently and I think I found my perfect one. This is my shoot of the week actually. I absolutely adore this dress and how it was paired with her hair and makeup details. But yes, my critique is that the top could have been a little more tailored and tightly fitted because it does seem a bit loose. There's also a very simple, no sewing required fix I think Cracker could have used. Boobs. Whether having a chest plate or, you know, biologically having a pair, I think that would have really helped with the fit because the extra fabric is now covering them instead of just flopping around everywhere else. Next to the runway is Jujubee in a cute watermelon-themed dress. It's a toot because I love the overall cohesiveness of the look. It's very bright and sunny and colourful, and I also really love the watermelon applique she took from the tablecloth and even used for that handbag accessory because it brightened up the whole look a lot more. For a hot glue queen, this was very well executed overall. It's a toot. I think Juju's look was not bad already, uh, like you said. While a tube dress is definitely one of the easiest garments to work with, I thought that her whole outfit was thought out and stylized very nicely. So that's a toot from me. Next up, we have Blair. Blair comes out in this very modern-looking dress, I would say, with sashes of fabric draped and rouged across and around her. I really like the idea of the dress, and it is a toot for me, at least. And while I can't see what the judges critiqued her for, for it not being finessed as well as it could have, 
I'm not sure if it was as obvious on camera or if my eye is not as trained, but those flaws were not that obvious to me, right? And I'm not so sure why the judges were also so obsessed with her hair not being wet enough long. I think they were just finding more reasons to pile on top of her. Yeah, I think that it might been there might have been the judges subtly hinting to the other queens time to vote her off and getting sick of her. But it's a soft toot for me because even though I have the same reasons as you as to why it's gorgeous, it personally felt like there's too many elements going on, so it's hard to focus on just one key feature of the dress. So execution could have been refined a little more to focus on just one main element. Next up is she giving us a different spin on the backyard theme to give us a backyard wedding look. She has a veil and is in a blue plaid jumpsuit with holes cut out at the hips and crotch to go for something of a cowboy chaps look. A solid toot for the creative angle and is always flawless execution. But I don't understand Carson's nitpicking about the shuttlecock detailing on the neckline because you're saying like, you know, it's too much. I thought it was a perfectly fine small touch to this overall cohesive and extremely beautiful toot. Yep. I do quite like Shay's outfit and it's also a toot for me. I think the whole choice of outfit was a really, really smart choice, right? Because the very ethereal and gauzy veil, as well as the light blue and grey gingham, lay very nicely on top of her skin tone and sell the whole backyard bright fantasy very well. Last but not least, we have Alexis, who comes out in this mermaid-style gown, with accents made with cups and shuttlecocks, right? I think this is a pretty good look and a toot. The idea of the crinoline in the dress being the kitty inflatable pool and the whole structure, right, in the middle of the dress and in the side opening with all the barbecue, like, disposable cups, right? I think it's really crafty and good, even if that did seem to be some hiccups, right? But after all, these are unconventional materials, right? Hmm, yeah, I love Alexis to bits, but this toot is not as loud as it could potentially be. The red solo cups as the collar detailing was masterful, as was the mermaid dress as a whole, but I just wish her kiddie pool actually touched the floor instead of hovering a few centimeters above, because it led to this awkward silhouette at the bottom where instead of the mermaid tail just flowing down to the ground, it got kind of stuck around the pool. So it's a toot, but not a particularly loud one. So Cracker wins the backyard ball, and once again, if you're not in the top, you're in the bottom. But based on critiques, I believe the real bottom two of the week are Alexis and Blair, while Juju and Shay are safe if not high. What are your thoughts? I do completely agree with the way Cracker is doing things, um, right? She's not being shady at all, and she's being really extremely logical and clear in the way she's doing things and explaining how she's doing these things, right? I also think the way Blair is reading the situation and reading Cracker isn't very constructive either, because yes, while Cracker and Blair are indeed friends. Cracker has already clarified that that is not how she is making her vote. So why is Blair using, continuing to use that approach to convince her? I also feel that at this point, at least in my view, there isn't really anything Blair and Alexis can do to bolster their case very well. I think it's partly because I'm 
really results oriented. And I would say that Cracker is too, right? Both of them have neither won in the past nor gotten particularly good critiques this week. It's basically an impossible mission to convince anyone otherwise. Mm-hmm. Now it's time for Cracker to lip sync for her legacy. And who else shows up but Miss Roxy Andrews of Season 5 and All Stars 2 herself? Roxy is known for several major things. The first ever lip sync wig under a wig reveal in Season 5's Whip My Hair. Her hatred of Season 5's winner Jinx Monsoon, followed by her massive redemption arc in AS2. And who can forget the iconic line, I'm Roxy Andrews and I'm here to make it clear. Well, here to make it clear is perhaps the best way to describe the lip sync she gave us tonight to Ariana Grande's One Last Time. Compared to Cracker's attempt at high energy moves, Roxy gave us a quietly confident and measured performance as she stripped down to a leotard, then turned around to reveal a sash with the words thick and juicy perfectly hugging her butt. One word on each cheek. I think there's absolutely no contest this week, right? Roxy came prepared and delivered wonderfully, while Cracker didn't feel immersed well enough into the vibe of the song. Maybe tentative even, right? So yes, I, I do think Roxy's win this week as the lip sync assassin was indeed really justified. Understandably, Thick and Juicy wins the lip sync, and the lipstick Roxy pulls is that of Alexis Mateo. How do you feel about that? Yeah, unfortunately for Alexis, I think that the stink bomb that India left last week really left its mark on the whole atmosphere and group dynamic and really messed Alexis up too, too much. And I do think that it's quite unfortunate because I do feel that Alexis definitely had a better showing than Blair, even though they technically have the same track record, right? Alexis did really well in Snatch Game and in GMZ, so I do think that this run was really quite unfortunate for her. Agreed. It's a shame that because of the India drama, the girls might not have trusted Alexis the way they did before, so they sent her home while they could. It's especially heartbreaking when you remember that Alexis really wanted to win this week because she knew that with the drama, winning would be her strongest, perhaps only chance of hanging on, and perhaps that pressure is what made her crumble. But now we're left with arguably one of the strongest top four in Drag Race history, Shay, Juju, Cracker, and Blair. My money's still on Shay to win as it's been since episode one, but it's a very close race admittedly. Who's your top pick right now? I think my top pick is Shay as well, honestly. While I am a Cracker stan, and Cracker has indeed been improving her showing, her experience just doesn't feel as authentic and immersed as Shay, which is unfortunately bumping her down as a winner for me. After all, I think a winner is chosen not just off their track record, but also with other considerations as well, right? Like what they stand for, or the kind of attitude and personality they brought to the competition, right, for instance. That brings us to the end of yet another episode of Skinny Thoughts. This has been Ray and Oz. Thank you for listening and join us next week for another episode of Skinny Thoughts.